0: Well, hey, everybody, Mark here. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Menlo Midweek podcast. And we're kicking off our Path of Surrender series, which is guiding the next 40 days together as we journey towards Easter. So it's a really fun conversation. And as a reminder, we put together a devotional just for you. You can download that on the YouVersion Bible app that's installed on your smartphone, or you can head over to menlo.church and find a link to that for desktop. So this is content that we've created just for you with videos from Phil and Cheryl guiding our week's as we're journeying together. So let's go ahead now and jump into the conversation. Welcome, everybody, to the Menlo Midweek Podcast. My name is Mark. My name is Jessica. And Phil's with us today. Good morning, everybody. Back. What a fun day that all of us get to get back together! Yay! And following a fun weekend where we saw um the Usher concert it. with yeah. Taylor Swift. That was a mm. good Usher concert mm. with appearances by Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe can we be we really opener it,
1: of Ruba McIntyre? Can don't we, don't we forget be, that?
0: Can we be honest?
2: Like, it actually mm. wasn't that great of a concert by Usher.
1: It was a great dance show. I would just, I thought
2: <laughs> I would just say that like yeah. they are targeting us like they are targeting millennial nostalgia that's what they're doing i
0: had that thought too and
2: it's just not aging that great like yeah usher 20 years ago was insane yep usher now is like oh buddy you look so tired like this is just not going as well and every year i think we're gonna kind of be like hey guys i think because they're getting older we might be getting older like (laughs) it's just a so i just
1: saw a meme about that like yesterday Mm -hmm. of like some guy was like telling his wife, "Yeah, but back in the day, they used to have all these like older, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. artists that would come on and sing. But now they're having the oh, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like now you're older, mm-hmm. so they are the older. That's exactly artists. what
2: it is. And it was, I mean, but it, 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 I feel like it was a good distraction to yeah. a heartbreaking game. Yeah, so. yeah. Yes. That's what it needed to be. Yeah.
1: But then Ludacris walked on stage and it all made it with better with a fro. That was pretty <laughs> with cool. With a fro, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wearing past, the dodgeball uni- uh, oh, yeah. uniform.
0: Perfect. That's all those memes. So fun. It was fun. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah. Sure. The game. I mean, yeah. I had. It was a good The investment game. that I had in the game, candidly, was just how, um, what mood are my friends and family going to be yeah. in the next day? Yeah. So like, I feel yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It would. It's the all awkward like we're cleaning up.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: So what do you got? going on this week (laughs) like just misery
2: well and i felt like the moment that they decided to kick the field goal and over time i was like well we just we just lost this game like you can't can't do that i don't know if you were aware but patrick mahomes is the quarterback for the other side so yeah we just lost that was i just knew it so that i i started that like let's clean up and start to get ready to go in my head (laughs) the moment they kicked the field goal so
1: they just played a little better offense in the first half feel like it could have been a little better because we we're crushing the defense but yeah sports you get it mark. i get
0: it <laughs> <laughs> i understand more than i lead on but did i watch the game a little bit
1: um you watched the commercials uh
0: mark kim was or our chief of staff mark kim said that he was watching the game strictly so you could get that code from the oh, yeah, yeah. doordash oh, app. Yeah. he was like that's my sole purpose in nice. Watching this game, yeah, I think he got it. Really, I don't know if he submitted it or not. What's he what did? Oh, yeah, you, you submitted, yeah, and yeah, yeah. That whole he, thing. like the there's a the thing that somebody
2: shared on the staff yeah. chat. So yeah. you just copy and paste that into DoorDash, and it enters you into some
0: sweepstakes. So, oh, if you I have enough, part. enough, like box tops or something, do you get to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get some free <laughs> get books to, from your <laughs> library and yeah. a pizza from Pizza Hut? <laughs> yeah, for oh, exactly. What mm-hmm.
1: let's bring that back.
0: Well, sounds like we need to start a new thing. Shout out to our song.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But also we're starting a new thing with our Lent series. <laughs> That's exactly right. And mm-hmm. so I thought it was really cool, Phil, um, hearing like your, it's like an overview, but also a pull us into this next season that we're in mm-hmm. as we're kicking off our series. And so uh, I really appreciated how you just kind of named that for a lot of people, this is going to be recycled material, mm-hmm. but, the, but the material is still mm-hmm. obviously worth um, paying attention to. And so, I'd love just to dive in a little bit more. Um, I have
1: an icebreaker question. Oh, okay, sure. We don't all have to answer it. It's more for Phil. So you have, f- a, you have a question
0: I for Phil? I have a question for Phil. A fill breaker. <laughs> it's more fun. A fill breaker <laughs> question. Do you have It'd be fun to try to break Phil? That should be a good. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, yeah, I'm Men- gonna write that down. Like Men- yeah. tri- try. sometime. try sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a favorite gospel? That you mm. like, if all someone was that. like, "Oh, mm. study a gospel," which one would you choose?
2: Who I'm way too nerdy to give a direct, quick answer to that question. Um, <laughs>
1: I knew that's why I Do asked. you Have
2: our favorite gospel in Hebrew or Greek? Yeah, yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they were all written in Greek. Yeah. So you have a Greek Tr- translation of the question. Old Testament called the Septuagint, but you don't yeah. have a Hebrew, oh not like in the same way yeah. of the New Testament. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it really depends on the person that I'm talking to. If you're saying like Phil, what's your favorite gospel it's probably between luke and mark which they're the most different Mm. mark is the most punctuated gospel it's the shortest it's the most action-packed it uses the word immediately like an insane number Mm -hmm. of times Uh, and then luke is a physician who actually didn't journey with jesus personally but interviewed a whole bunch of people who did and so we have the most detailed account of jesus life in luke but if i'm talking to somebody that has some faith background or an experience that uh, the Old Testament would be relevant to them. Matthew's the way to go, Mm. because it's so faithful at connecting the dots between the vision of the Messiah in the Old Testament and the true fulfillment of that uh, vision in Jesus. Um, And then John is the one that if I'm like talking to a brand new to faith person, they've never read the Bible before, I will tell them to start in John because it assumes the least of its reader. Mm. Uh, And it also kind of says, you know, Jesus is this supernatural, greater than the universe being from the very first verse. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I think that they all have, and that's the point, right? The, if we read the New Testament and you were an outsider looking at it and you didn't know the story of the authors, you would go, well, why don't we just have one of these? Like, why do we need mm-hmm. four biographies of Jesus' life? Uh, and that actually has to do with the nature of inspiration in the, in the text of Scripture. Uh, because if you go read the Book of Mormon or you go read the Quran, you're reading from a single perspective. Mm. And I think one of the beautiful things that I think uh, affirms the inspiration of scriptures and uh, highlights God's creativity to me is the way he's used so many different voices yeah. and the personality of those voices to write not just the Gospels, but the entire Bible. So. Like I said, I can't give a... <laughs> I'm way too heavy yeah. for that. I didn't mean
1: to take up half the podcast with that <laughs> That's answer. Hurtful. <laughs> like, <laughs> but accurate. That's funny. That was a great answer, though. I yeah. think so many people have an issue with, mm-hmm. well, there's four different accounts that don't right all say right. the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And there's your answer.
2: Yep. Yeah, and I, I hope... We did it even a little bit this week, but I'll be you know, kind of starting in Matthew most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll sort of, as the kids would say, sample from other <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> from other Gospels because they do give different details. And once you know the story of the author, you understand why, right? So you're like, well, why would that one be included in... Um, John and not Matthew. Well, because John is emphasizing the supernatural power of Jesus in a way that Matthew isn't. Oh, well, why would that be? That detail be added in Luke? Well, because Luke was asking a whole bunch of d- people, mm-hmm. so he had a bunch more data that he was pulling from. And he says, Luke says, the reason that he did it this way is so that you could have firm confidence that what you are reading is accurate, yeah. right? So uh, when we study it, I think it's a it's a really cool way. The the passion we see lots of overlap of these stories mm-hmm. uh, with supernatural consistency. Mm-hmm.
0: So. When you say the passion, what does that mean? Uh,
2: the passion is typically referring to the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry, so Passion Week or Passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, that's where they got the term for. Yeah. So
0: that was an interesting graphic that you showed as well that showed, um, I think, of the the percentage of content within the books, two-thirds yeah, yeah. was pre the last... Right, 32 yeah. years yeah. Yeah. and
2: 51 weeks. <laughs> yeah. and exactly. Then a third mm-hmm. of the gospel narrative is the final week of Jesus' life. So yeah, just, you know, I, I, oftentimes I don't, I don't even think about it like that, mm-hmm. um, but to be reminded hopefully helps people to know, even if you've had kind of that shiny animated version where you remember in kids' church, or you remember a quick telling of some part of one of these stories, there's a lot more
0: uh, mm-hmm. to mine if we're willing to spend the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as we're journeying towards the passion together, there's often a theme of fasting or a theme of of surrender. Um, Can you talk about more about the intersection and and how maybe that came to be and how that prepares us for that week?
2: Yeah, so there were a number of uh, different traditions that were kind of coalescing around the idea of Lent and fasting. Uh, By and large, we trace its roots to about 1500, 1600 years ago in terms of when it became pretty popular to understand this season as Lent as a Christian distinctive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously, there was even kind of some moving targets in the early years of the church about when and how Christmas and Easter would be celebrated. Uh, There were no Easter bunnies, there was no Santa yet. Like all that stuff would come much, much later. And so the early churches. Uh, trying to figure out what does it look like to faithfully have kind of a calendar, mm. um, and so I think the fasting component became a a natural subset of that celebration. And candidly, fasting uh, has historically, for followers of Jesus, been way more common than it is today. And yeah. so that's you know we th- when we think about fasting, we think about it almost exclusively outside the context of I will choose to not eat food for insert period of time. And it is that. Yep. Uh, but I think Lent is a really cool opportunity to say, "Hey, I'm going to use the parallel this upcoming weekend of like spring cleaning, right? That like Lent is this kind of opportunity every year to do kind of a spiritual spring cleaning. Mm-hmm. And what is it in my life that maybe has started to crowd out the focus that I really want to have on God? And um, Lent gives us an opportunity to say, "I'm going to set that down for mm-hmm. a few weeks." And the time that I would use for that, I'm going to use to say, I'm going to do this devotional reading that we're all doing together on you version. Or I'm going to spend time uh, doing something that I find really restorative and connecting to God. Maybe that for you is outside. Maybe for you, that's silence and solitude. Maybe for you, that's music. Uh, But I I just think that there's, you know, we are in an attention economy, uh, which I think oftentimes just means that we are in a day of distraction all the time. And I think Lent is such a gift to be able to unclutter from distraction and say, God, uh, we're not trying to twist anybody's arm. We're saying, like, if you want God to take up a more central place in your life, I think Lent can be a great tool to do that.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, and I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but when I hear fasting, I don't think of religion. I don't think of church. Mm -hmm. I think of intermittent fasting. I think of fasting Mm -hmm. from... Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to spend for, you know, a day or two and I'm going to do a fast Fast from from Instagram. Exactly. So it's interesting that it does have, you know, Christian or religious roots and how now, um, since so many things are fighting for our attention, the reason why people might want to fast is they feel a need to be more connected to something. Hmm. And it's, it's cool to see like that connection is Aligning more with what God wants for you, or giving more of your attention to to God, and so it was cool to see those connected. And I'm hoping that that during this time, people can—I don't know—we can take the word back. <laughs> uh, and, I don't know. And I do think uh, you know it's it's so easy
2: for us to have a self-seeking approach in anything, right? Yeah. Like we're uh, <laughs> we're all pre-wired for it, and I, and I think that uh, it is true that I think fasting oftentimes even as Christians, I, I sort of made a nod to this this weekend, we we go, well, fasting is like a um, uniquely Christian thing, so if I just use this as like my, uh, my New Year's mm-hmm. resolution didn't go well, so I'll just fast during <laughs> Lent and I'll lose the weight that I thought I would, like, first of all, don't do that. That's, that's a bad way to lose weight. Um, but i also think uh that's missing the point like Mm -hmm. the point is not getting closer to your goals the point is getting closer to god um, through what you choose to fast from and if you fast for personal gain in my experience restriction leads to binging and so uh you can kind of see this sometimes even in the attitude that we take of fasting at lent where somebody will give up something that they just love and it's getting closer and closer to the day and they're like oh my gosh i can't wait till i can eat uh, this Mm. i can't wait till i can do this and there's going to be some of that that's innate, but I think the more that happens, the more mm-hmm. it may be revealing that what maybe God wanted to replace
0: that appetite with is not actually being replaced yeah. yeah so that's good that's something that that I noticed recently because you know me and my wife we did a a no spend January where we just tried not to to go out to eat, not to buy anything impulsively off Amazon and one of the unexpected um I don't know benefits or or learnings that we had was the compulsion just to buy something yeah. went away, and we were we're still trying to keep that. Like I think now we're trying to to do it so like we can you know buy things twice a week on certain days or something like that to help curb that appetite as it grows again. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting being a few days removed from January. It's already like oh hey I want to oh, buy that sure. thing mm-hmm. and it's already creeping back up. Yeah, yep. There's can- a reason
2: the company spent seven million dollars for 30 seconds at the super bowl right (laughs) it's
1: like
2: it works (laughs) like there's a reason and i think to your point i remember when i first got uh social media apps off of my phone uh, a few years ago and uh just sort of like the doom scroll thing of Mm -hmm. uh, yeah and yeah trying to find out as you go okay now that's totally gone but what am i missing and how do i go back to it And what do i Mm -hmm. want that to be and you know what is even some of the self-restriction that I'm going to put on because there's something better than just my compulsion that I want, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you know some of us we grew up in contexts where there was, lots of I say it's it's fundamentalism without the fun like <laughs> there were just lots of restrictions all the time. <laughs> And so out of—sort uh, of in pushing back from that, I think sometimes we can be like, I'm free in Christ, I'm going to do whatever I want, you know? And then uh, Paul would say, yeah, but we don't want to use our freedom as an excuse for sin. And so it's finding what does Christian liberty look like? And I think this is a great conversation for people to be able
0: to have, and Lent is a great place and time of the year to do it. Yeah, that's great. And I think that the— thread of screen time social media is something that's going to affect a lot of us and so i loved how you gave an example of you know if you replace instagram reels to tiktok reels like you're missing the point (laughs) right correct yeah that was was spot on (laughs) yeah thank you for that i feel attacked i did feel (laughs) like i i
1: needed to fast from social media Mm -hmm. sunday night and yesterday, sure, sure, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Taylor Swift fan, but there was just too much mm-hmm. of celebrating mm-hmm. that I didn't want to see, so I just mm-hmm. fasted from it yesterday. It was so much.
2: It was so much. It was so much. I was with uh, several families, and there was a group of teenage boys, and so it was just root beer bottles. But they were every time that there was a a, a shot of Taylor, oh my they gosh. just like took a swig yeah, we of, kept
1: a count. And yeah. I was
2: like, if someone played a drinking game with Taylor Swift camera shots, they would be dead. Like that, that game, they're just she was there too much. She was there too much.
0: Yeah. yeah. You asked a great question as well in your message that I'm gonna be asking myself going forward. I'd encourage listeners to do that too. It's what is the last thing you obeyed without understanding? How do you how do you arrive there? why did you choose to ask mm-hmm. that? Because that question is really driving a lot of this inner motivation that maybe this fasting from things will guide our attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I I think uh so there's there's two types of preaching that you
2: typically hear when someone's trying to drive, do uh, what's called expositional te- preaching, which is my preference for preaching, which is, I don't do it all the time. Sometimes it's going to be more topical, but mm-hmm. uh, expositional preaching is like, I'm going to go to something uh, and I'm going to teach that thing. Mm-hmm. And so this series is a great way to do that because we're just walking through stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but within expositional preaching, where you would exposit, uh, the passage, there are two tendencies. One's exegetical, where we lead out of. One is eisegetical, which is I lead into. And so uh, the exegetical approach to this passage, it, it sort of just led me to this idea of I wanted to kind of, you'll see this continue to repeat throughout the series, I kind of wanted to frame it in terms of like when Jesus dot, 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 like almost like episodic over the course of the series. And so when Jesus asked for obedience before understanding is exactly what he's doing with his disciples that Mm -hmm. they don't fully comprehend. Uh, And actually in the second point, I talk about how what they did understand was actually incorrect and they had the wrong motives and still did the right thing. Like we do a lot. Um, And so this question of... um, okay so if they were willing to take a step to go get this donkey from a stranger yeah mm-hmm. uh which there's a whole bunch of really cool commentary stuff about that and mm-hmm. um you know when they say hey the like the lord is asking for it there was some sense in which they were taking it from a place that was so big that the other person that would have been asking them that question would have assumed that they were like part of the staff that they just hadn't met before. Mm-mm. And that when they said the Lord is asking for it, what they really meant, Lord Master, was actually the owner that that like owned all this stuff. So it was mm-hmm. like kind of a play on words. It really was the Lord, but Jesus kind of knew, hey, if I say this, we'll bring it back. Like it's fine, but it, anyway, it's nerdy. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> I, I think uh, most of the time, I would say if we track back in our life, the biggest moments of breakthrough spiritually it's when we answered this question, the affirmative, like, God, I'm willing to obey you before I understand you. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to obey you right now, even if I don't understand the long-term plan. And so, um, you know, for us as a family, that's like most recently choosing to come to Menlo, right? Like there was some questions that we could get answers to, but there were way more we couldn't. And there's Mm -hmm. a point of, um, okay, there's enough, you know, the language that I use sometimes is uh, the difference between clarity and certainty. We talked about this before.
0: I don't think so, I don't but I like it. Um, we, you know, Feels I, th- like I, think, uh, <laughs> I think something um, Phil would say. I think, I
2: think a lot of times, especially in like church culture, or you know, if you work at a like a large company, I think this is another place where it happens, where um, you know we sub in what we say is I want clarity, but what we really mean is I want certainty, and by that I mean what we say is with God or with our boss or whatever. We go, I'll do that, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. I need clarity about what that is. What we really mean is. I need certainty that what you're telling me to do is going to work the way I think it's going to work. And I think we do the same thing with God. So we're like, oh, God, yeah, it's cool. I want this kind of a relationship. Uh, I want this kind of a financial return. I want this kind of a job. I want this kind of a thing to happen in my life. I want this kind of a healing. So if you're asking me to obey you in this area of my life, I'm willing to do that as long as you guarantee me that the thing I want, which— Mm-hmm. by the way, is not worship, that's mm-hmm. just a transactional relationship, but th- that's that's not clarity, that's certainty. Mm-hmm. And I I just say, uh, the only the only thing we can be certain of in life is certain death, right? We joke around like the only constants in life are death and taxes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, clarity is what actually God promises us, which isn't about a destination, it's about a direction. And the direction is not towards the outcome I desire, the, the direction is towards Him Himself. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think that sort of asking the question of where where am I asking for uh, clarity, but what I'm really asking for is certainty. Um, and if I wasn't pinning something on, God, I'll only do this if, mm-hmm. I think we will oftentimes get to that place of like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we do need to take a more dramatic step of obedience in this season than we thought, but I don't I don't know what that direct step of obedience is going to do to my friend group, right? If all of a sudden I say, I'm not doing this right now, or I say, I'm not going there right now, or I'm spending differently, or I'm uh, drinking differently, or I'm speaking differently, or I'm living di- like all those things will have significant consequences, probably in relationship, and we don't know what those consequences are. But without understanding the consequences, are we still be are we still willing to be obedient to the one that's asking us? And mm-hmm. I think Lent can be a great time where if you're not sure, if you're like I don't I don't even really know what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be doing. I think the focus of Lent, changing our appetite, uh, can sort of clear the spiritual brain fog. And it's not that God's not speaking; it's that we just can't hear him over the noise. Nice.
0: Lots of stuff in there. Yeah. I think one one day we'll have an episode where we um, do a tier list of all 300 Messianic prophecies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ranking by order. <laughs> That's not this episode. Perfect. Um, <laughs>
1: That's not this but,
0: but also, you, when you were kind of concluding your message and you were talking about how Jesus raised Lazarus, it's kind of illustrating this point that... We can't really be certain of anything, right? right? And, but we can acknowledge that God is, God sees the whole picture. and We don't get to see that. And so I love that um, there is a, a piece in there about obedience, a piece of there about attention, a piece of there about trust and faith. You had a great um, quote as well by Oswald Chambers that illustrated that as well, um, that said that, um, Basically, like, faith isn't knowing where you're led, but knowing and loving the one who's leading. Mm-hmm. And so this through line of trust and this through line of obedience, um, I mean, that comes through relationship and attention. And so um, I-, I thought it was it was a great way to kick off and get our attention as we we're journeying together. And so if you had more time, Phil, what would, what else would you have included? What would have you have double-clicked on?
2: Anything I, else? Yeah, I think the stuff that I talked about a little bit uh, from, like, a scholarly commentary perspective about— uh, you read a story like this and it feels um, almost like a fairy tale. Like, you're yeah. like, is this supposed to be real life? Like, would they just go take a donkey? Why did they do that? Um, there's also, like, the, so some of it I've already talked about. Uh, there's also a section, um, you know, I, I talked about it at one point in my message, but this is uh, the anticipation of the way that people were celebrating. They would have celebrated a conquering hero coming in like in a big processional with a massive Mm. war horse, you know. And so Mm -hmm. Jesus is this humble leader, totally different on purpose. And I tried to illustrate that a little bit. Uh, The animals that uh, we're talking about, too, um, it's likely that um, because of some of the commentary work, it's it's likely that uh, either the animal that Jesus is riding on or a companion animal had never been ridden on or had this type of an experience happen before. Um, and would have, as a result, not been cool with the entire situation. Mm. Uh, and so it's like another beautiful picture of the Prince of Peace just <laughs> instantly calming an animal uh, that like, people would have mm. been able to easily see. Like, that thing doesn't get ridden on. Why is it chill with this guy? And just one more mm. piece of evidence for the people that were watching, especially in a giant crowd with thousands of people making a bunch of noise. Right. It would have freaked an animal out, but it didn't, Got it. based on any evidence that we saw. So I just think there are these little... Um, These like little snapshots um, to narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow uh, (coughs) that I think give us a beautiful um, picture of Jesus in the week of the Passion that, um, you know, we, we sometimes we want Jesus to be like kind of human, but mostly God. And at any point in his life, he can just like take the. Take the button up off, and he's got the S on his chest, and he puts the cape on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And because of a spiritual principle called kenosis, we know that's not what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Jesus functioned um, without access to the, like, superpower of Jesus. Uh, Everything that he did, he tells us he did because the Father told him to do it the father and the spirit empowered him to do it mm-hmm. and that's why he says hey when i go you're going to do greater things than me mm-hmm. uh jesus did not have access to any greater power than we do and i think uh the passion week is a really it, when you understand the humanity of jesus through that lens the week becomes uh we'll see it this week when he walks into the temple after this interaction mm-hmm. it's just incredibly heavy because it he's not
0: putting it on he's not pretending to have emotions he's really living the human experience mm-hmm. awesome that's fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about as this comes out on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, devotional starting. Devotional mm-hmm. starting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people can get that. You know that fun little Bible app that comes pre installed on your phone? Yeah. It's already on there, which hmm. is really cool. So you can just search Menlo Church and you'll does, find it. Does the Bible app come pre installed on your phone? Mm hmm. Is that for real? I'm like 99% sure. Yeah. Wow.
1: It just comes, I mean, every time I get a new phone, all my apps transfer over. So I don't even know at this point. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe I need a fact checker on this
1: podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is like the most
2: downloaded Bible app in the world. So you can get that and then go look for Menlo Church
0: and you'll see Path of Surrender. If if you don't have a smartphone, you could also head over to our website um and there is a link to access it on desktop mm-hmm. as well um Look at that. and it's really cool i was able to help uh, put together some of the content and by put together i mean film some of the content and yeah. uh, phil and cheryl leading us through and it's really great uh so I'm excited yes yeah the content's fantastic and it is very thought-provoking and so i'm excited for that and then as lent kicks off phil how can we encourage people to be um I don't know, wise about what they're choosing to fast from. Um, How can people enter into... How can we encourage them to enter into a process of discernment to really figure out, hey, well, how can I make the best or the most of these next 40 days?
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think... um Again,
2: download
1: the app and get the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, download, <Yep. laughs> download the Bible. <You> <laughs> um, I think that, uh,
2: I think I used the line just a few minutes ago, uh, direction, not destination. Like, I just mm. think that's so important when we practice spiritual habits in our life. It is so, there's so much pressure yep. uh, to go, this is the outcome that I want. And you've heard me say a million times, don't do it that way. Um, but it's just, it's like, it's in our culture, this kind of ROI return on investment Mm -hmm. is, is so prevalent. And so if, if you frame the next 40 days of, well, if I lose this weight, if I'm able to save this much money, if I'm able to restore this kind of relation, then it was successful. But if not, and I'm just telling you like less about what you want to get more about just getting God himself. And if you do that, um, I can't promise what your circumstances will look like. But I can promise you that your inner life will be in better shape than it is today, and I think ultimately that's the gift of Lent. So uh, I would also say, if it's okay, uh, if you would be, if you're listening to this or watching this, that th- we're now two weeks into a new rhythm for our staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got here, our staff met um, once a month for three hours, all together, you know, different campuses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the challenges that we've been trying to navigate as a team is staff culture. Uh, there's a there's a big tool called the Best Christian Workplace Assessment, and uh, we've taken it at Menlo for a lot of years. Uh, and we've always come back as a toxic culture, which is a super fun thing to say. Um, and it doesn't mean that the staff is bad. It just means that we have a great staff that has to work harder than they should to get things done. Um, and so we've been working on culture a lot around communication in the last year, we took it again mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, and this initiative with staff is really about more cycles together, creating greater development opportunities for our team. And so we're, we're praying that God uses it. Last week, there were some really cool moments and things that God did. Um, and then we'll tell everybody today, this is, I'm, I'm, you, you'll hear it after our staff does, because it's gonna come up later, but uh, for the first time ever, we're no longer a toxic staff, which is awesome. Um, But we're not where we need to be, like we still have lots of work to do. And um, the thing about staff culture is that's not upfront leadership, like that's every individual on a team choosing to do that. Um, And so if you wouldn't mind, you know, a little inside baseball with me, just pray for our team. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whether a staff member thinks that they can be a part of the change of culture or not, they're right, you know, that's true. And. Uh, I think in culture we think a lot about thermostats versus thermometers, and we need uh, our team to understand their role to be cultural thermostats, where they have a they have a role to play in changing the temperature, uh, and not just going like, oh, this is this is the temperature today at Menlo. So, um, anyway, I'm I'm hopeful, uh, I'm thankful, and I see. The mountain of work in front of us to try and turn the turn the ship, but I can tell you, having been in places where we've moved from really toxic culture to what's called flourishing culture, uh, it's way better. It's so much better to be in a flourishing culture. It's fun to come to work. Uh, the culture is actually helping you get things done. People are naturally holding one another accountable. Key performers are rewarded. Underperformers are held accountable, um, and we are committed to that direction as a team because our church deserves it. Not just our staff, but our church deserves it. So. Anyway. There you go.
1: We appreciate all the prayers.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we'd love to pray for you as well. Thank you so much for those that that uh, do reach out and ask mm-hmm. for prayers for that I'm thanking people, but I know how hard it can be. I know how intimidating it can be one to pray with someone else, but two to text in uh, to a phone number mm-hmm. um, that comes to our team. And so for those that have sent in prayer requests this week around um, family, around recovery, around um, counseling, around um trying to get back on your feet, uh, just thank you and and know that those prayers uh, don't go unanswered. Mm. Um, we, we we have a great team here that's committed to praying with you and meeting with you as well. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, you can text us 650-600-0402 and let us know. And Phil, thanks so much for being on today.
2: Thanks so much, everybody. Yep. God have God a bless.
0: great week. Bye, Bye. everybody.